Good morning. I invite you to open your Bibles or your devices to Matthew chapter 22. And if you want to put a bookmark there, also to Deuteronomy chapter 6, uh, verse 4. Uh, we'll spend a little bit of time in each of those, and we'll throw some other verses up on the screen from time to time. <clears throat> as I've said repeatedly, this series of messages, um, as reflected in the image there, is an invitation for each of us to lean in and embrace the greatness of God and all that he has for us while at the same time, again, as reflected by the image, uh, surrendering to his embrace and the potential that he plants within us. I suspect many of you, if not all of you, have known a moment where you leaned into that embrace and felt the comfort that it represents. I personally take great comfort in knowing that that embrace is there for me at any point I choose to lean into it and surrender to it. Uh, again, by way of review, uh, we spent a week looking at the great God that we have the opportunity to embrace. Uh, we talked about a great Savior, a great counselor or coach. And last week, my wife did an outstanding job of talking about a great life. Um, just a huge shout out to Diana for stepping in uh, while I was away with the guys. Thanks to her for being a wonderful ministry partner and stepping slightly out of her comfort zone. Thanks to you for the way that you received it and supported her and encouraged her. And thanks for understanding and giving me the opportunity to be away uh, with our guys. We ended up with 20 of us uh, away for an extended weekend. For some of us, a little bit longer than that. Uh, great time of interaction. Uh, today, I would just remind us that if our goal is to embrace the greatness that God has for us, then one of the things that we must wrestle with is something that is often called the Great Commandment. I suspect many of you have noticed, uh, don't throw stones at this point, but I suspect many of you have noticed that teachers, including myself, uh, have the capacity to take something relatively simple and make it into something complicated. Today I'm going to try to just settle into the simplicity of what Christ taught when he commented on the great commandment. It's found in several of the Gospels. We're going to look at Matthew's version of it today. And I just want to tell you, um, I'm going to read the entire passage. We're actually going to work through the passage in two bites rather than one big bite. Uh, many times, some of you have seen me eat, I have a tendency to eat at a rapid pace, gobbling my food down. But once in a while, some of you have, may have had the experience where you had a really good steak. And you just cut it in small bites. So you could just chew on it and just savor each bite. Anybody hungry now? Uh, no steak today, sorry. Um, but anyway, so we're going to just kind of slice this into two bites and uh, and hopefully give you a chance to chew on one, and then we're going to come back next week and give you an opportunity to chew on the other bite. Um, let's just read through this. In Matthew chapter 22, starting with verse 34, it says, Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. One of them, an expert in law, tested him with this question. Now, again, when I read that, I tend to project myself onto that, and I automatically assume the testing is a bad thing. 
But it's not always a bad thing to be tested. It's an opportunity to draw out what Jesus taught and have others hear his explanation of things. So even though the Sadducees and Pharisees oftentimes were antagonistic toward Christ, don't read too much into that fact that he tested him with a question. Uh, What we're focused on is his response. Verse 36, he says, Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Now, to me, that's a perfectly good question to ask. There's lots of stuff in the law that we need to be aware of if we are going to honor God. And the question was, which is which is the greatest? I mean, if we're going to rank them, which is the greatest? Christ responds, he says, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Excuse me, then it continues on. Uh, This is the first and greatest commandment, but Jesus isn't done. He goes on and he says, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these commandments. Well, we're going to back up here. I got ahead of myself. So, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. I'm going to confess to you that in one capacity or another, over the past 40 years, I've spent copious amounts of time attempting to help people grasp the essence of living a God-honoring life. And with this passage, Jesus boiled it down to less than 20 words. (laughs) Let's talk simple here. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Now, this concept didn't originate with Christ's teaching. It actually is one of the founding principles upon which the Jewish faith is founded. And it's recorded in Deuteronomy. That was the second passage I mentioned, chapter four or chapter 6, verse 4. Here it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And again, establishing... The Jewish faith in just one God, not a plethora of gods as many of their neighbors felt, but one God. And then it goes on with what we just heard from Jesus. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength. Again, the same concept, and it continues there. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Do you get a sense that that was important? Impress them upon your hearts. Teach them to your children. Wear them as symbols upon your body and attach them to the door frames of your heart. Uh, again, some of you have heard us talk about this before. In the past when we did a, a VBS, it was based on, on some of these things that we learned that, that that phrase, the Lord our God is one, and then uh, write these as symbols upon your heart. Uh, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, mind, soul, strength, depending on which translation you read. Um, that founding principle was called the Shema. And for young Jews, that was the first scripture that they were tasked to memorize. It was that important. Get this down. And they would actually write it on small piece of paper. I don't read Hebrew. I did not write Hebrew. Um, 
Google says that that's a Shema. If I'm wrong, I apologize in advance for those of you who are Hebrew scholars. Um, but what they would do is what, what next to it is called a mezuzah. And they would have this Shema in a scroll in the mezuzah, and it would be posted. Some of you have been to people's homes. Rubio's had it. Is it still there? Or did they take it with them when they moved? Okay. All right. But some of you have been to Rubio's home, and they had one. And the Jewish folks, as they came into their home, they would touch that as an acknowledgement that the Lord, their God, was one God, and that they were to love the Lord with all their heart, mind, soul, and strength. Touch it, kiss it, and go in. Some devout Jews would actually have a mezuzah, not just at the entrance. Remember the passage said door frames? They would not just have it at the entrance. They would have it at the door frame of every living space. They didn't have one on the closets, but other doors where there was living space, they would have that. And, and just think about that for just a moment. If any of you ever come home after a bad day at work or at school and you were a little grouchy, I mean, maybe the person next to you, but I know you probably never have. But but imagine if as you came home and you bring all that baggage of your stinky day with you and you pause momentarily and you touch a reminder, physically feel a reminder that says, love the Lord my God with all of my heart, mind, soul, strength. Wow, what a great reminder to leave the garbage at the door. Now, personally, I'm not adding to the Jewish faith, but I would do well to touch it on my way out, too, as a reminder of, i got to take it with me. All right, but, but I just love that imagery, and I, and I want you to grasp just how important that is. But I come back to it, and I say, can it be any more simple? Pastor Steve, what do I need to do to please God? I can break out volumes of books. Or we could look at, I think, 19 words, if I counted correctly. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. Can can we just understand I don't have answers here today. I got questions. And I and I've got questions I want you to take with you. And you're going to have to do it mentally. You're going to have to write notes. Uh you're going to have to listen to the recording later. Um but where do I start? Is what I want you to wrestle with. So I'm going to go back and leave that up there for you for just a minute. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your mind. Just think for a moment. Quietness of your own heart. And ask yourself, do I? Do I? What does it look like when someone does? I know a lot of people who love God, who serve God, who are wholly sold out. but trying to grasp an image of what that looks like did not come easily for me. Love the Lord, my God, with all my heart, with all my soul, with all my mind, 
I think Mark throws in with all my strength. Friends, ask yourself, what stands in my way? What distracts me from loving God with all my heart? What competes for my love? Friends, in my world, that's a pretty big list. There's a lot of stuff that calls for my love, that calls for my attention. Which is easier or which is harder? Loving God with your heart, loving God with your soul, loving God with your mind. Any takers on that? Which is easier? Is it really quiet in here or is it just me? Which is harder? It's a trick question. (laughs) Can you have one without the other? Many commentators. The, The temptation is, well, what does it look like to love God with my heart? And what does it look like to love God with my soul? What does it look like to love God with my mind? What does it look like to love him with my strength? But it really speaks to the totality of my being. You and I have a calling to love God with the totality of our being. Now, preachers are fond of saying, oh, we got to love him every day, not just on Sunday. Friends, can I just say that sets the bar way too low even? We're called to love him with the totality of our being. And I'll be honest with you. I'm so far off the mark on that. Not willful spit in God's face, but so many things distract. And we're going to talk about a primary one before I wrap up. One of the commentators I read, William Barclay, uh, He says this with regard to loving God with our heart, soul, mind, strength. It means that to God, we must give a total love, a love which dominates our emotions. Think about that. How many of us have that backwards? My emotions dominate my love for God. When I'm having a great day, oh, I love you, Jesus. When I'm not having such a good time, when life is hard, when life is downright miserable, when I should probably love him the most because he's the one that gives me that embrace with those nail-scarred hands, it's hard. It means that to love God, we must give a total love, a love which dominates our emotions, a love which dominates our thoughts, a love which is the, the dynamic of our actions. In other words, loving God with all of my heart, mind, soul, and strength overrides my human emotions. It overrides the places I go in my mind that are not of God. It overrides and controls, directs my actions. So as I think about that, I come back and I say, golly, do I love anything (laughs) with all of my heart, soul, and mind? It's a big task. But I have 
another question. Based on, for those of you that have been here through parts of the series, based on the great God that we're invited to embrace. Brace, excuse me, based upon the great Savior who paid the penalty for our sin, who went to the cross, who went to the grave, who ascended into heaven so we can have a love relationship with God. Based upon the great Counselor, the Holy Spirit that comes to dwell within us, based upon the great life that he envisions for us and offers to us, would that God, would that God ask you and I to do something that we were incapable of doing? I don't think so. So that kind of tells me I can and you can love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. So now the question, and again, I could preach for the rest of my life just trying to answer the questions and help us understand what it looks like. And today is just putting our toe in the water. Where do I start? John chapter 14, verse 15. Jesus says, let me, let me keep this simple for you. If you love me, keep my commands. Oh, okay. Some of us are a little slow, so he tells us again. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Got my command, keep them, you love me. Okay. And for those that are still slow yet, he gives it to us again. Do you see a pattern here? How many times have you heard me say, when Scripture repeats something over and over and over again, I don't know how it works for you, but when that happens for me, it's God saying, Steve, pay attention. I've told you once, I'm going to tell you again. Oh, Steve, you're still not paying I'm going to tell you again. So here we go. Jesus replied, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. My Father will love them and we will come to them and make our home with them. Anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. So again, the initial thermometer, the initial measuring stick, if I'm going to say I want to love God with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength, how am I doing when it comes to obedience? Okay. John's not quite done with us yet. John chapter 15, he quotes Jesus, If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remind in his, and remain in his love. Again, I know I've said this a lot recently. Remember John 13, 14, 15, 16. Jesus is getting ready to leave. He knows it. And he's telling his followers, this is the stuff you've got to grasp. I think that's why over and over and over again in that little bit. He makes that point. And he's not done yet because we know later after writing the gospel and stuff goes on, John writes some letters. And in 1 John chapter 5, verse 3, he puts it this way. In fact, this is love for God. To keep his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. Which again tells me it's doable, folks. 
we just have to decide we want to do it. All of those were recorded by the same author. Anybody recall what one of John's nicknames was? John the Beloved. That sounds a little less haughty than saying John the Obedient. But it's the same. If you love me, you'll obey my commands. Loving God equals action upon the things that he teaches us. We're going to come back to this next week and talk more about what that action looks like. But friends, is it fair to say, if I say I love God with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength, that some things, perhaps a lot of things, should change with our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength, our actions, our attitudes, our emotions. I started out by saying I'm going to keep it simple. I didn't say I was going to make it easy. All right. It's simple. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, strength. Christ's teaching is simple and it is clear. But the application of that teaching is a journey that in all likelihood will cover our entire life. Like every journey, this one starts with the first step. Based upon Christ's words, as recorded by John, for all of us, that first step is to take a long, hard look at our pattern of obedience in action. As James pointed out in his letter, it's not enough to say, I believe. Something needs to be done because of what we say we believe. I invite you to just kind of chew on another question. I talked about the mezuzah. Perhaps just asking yourself on a daily basis, maybe as you settle in for the night, what did I do today that reflected my love for God with my heart, soul, mind, and strength? What what did I do today? I suspect for many of you, perhaps all of you, that there's a lot of stuff. But how nice would it be to reinforce that on a regular basis and say, today, I did this, this, and this, specifically as an outflow of my obedience, my desire to show that I loved him with all of my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Some days there will be something specific and, and huge that stands out. Others, it will be just the fact that you went through your normal daily routine. Ask ourselves, what feelings and thoughts did I have today that indicated my love? What actions did I take that were a clear reflection of his love? Love equals action. And one last couple of verses. In Luke chapter 9, 
starting at verse 23. It says, Then he said, Jesus speaking, Then he said to them all, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will save it. Friends, I suspect for the overwhelming majority of us, the single biggest obstacle we face to loving the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength is that at our core, we're self-centered. That's our human nature. And that's a nature that we must be willing to surrender and allow His Spirit dwelling within us to generate His love to flow out of us. Would you pray with me? Father, I I would venture a guess that every person here on some level is here because they want to love you. But Father, I would also venture a guess that each one of us struggles on some level to set aside enough of ourself to release us to embrace the fullness of that love. So, Father, as we, as we consider that, I just take comfort in being reminded that you would not call us to that kind of love if you were not willing to empower us to live in that kind of love. So, Father, I, I come back to the title of this series, Embracing Greatness. I pray that each person here, hearing these words, would make a clear decision to lean into that embrace, to wrap our arms around the risen Savior and allow him to wrap his arms around us, and that your Holy Spirit coming to dwell within us would daily, increasingly empower us to see our love for you with heart, mind, soul, mind, and strength to flow out because of the empowerment that you're bringing to us. Father, we thank you for the challenge, but we thank you even more so that you will empower us to see that realized and that for each of us, each day, we might have a sense that we are growing and our capacity to love you with the totality of our being. And each day we're increasingly denying self and taking up our cross to follow after you. We thank you, Jesus. Amen.